Thank you for joining our podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. Stay tuned as together we'll study God's Word. That is so good. It's so good. If you ever wonder why they call Good Friday Good Friday, it's because of what we just experienced. Worshiping Jesus. Jesus knew that this execution of him, the separation from God, the Trinity be broken up, the only reason it was good was because 2,000 years ahead of time, he'd experienced what we just did, worship of him from his children. It's good, right? It's good. Amen. So glad that you're here. I'm so glad that you're here. My name's Gary. I'm on staff here, and I want to welcome you, whether you came because you were coerced or bribed, uh, a great meal ahead of you, pesto pasta, whatever, uh, whether you, you, know, you wanted to date her, you asked her out and said, I'm only coming if you come somewhere with me, and she's like, we're going to church, like, what? Okay, I'll come, whatever. Um, you're here, and I want to tell you, it's safe to be here. I'm glad that you're here, and we're stoked that you're here. Let me ask you a question at the start. Have you ever experienced a near miss? A near miss. This week, I saw something, uh, a pitcher for the Houston Astros experienced a near miss. His name's Colin McHugh, pitches for the Astro against the A's. Any, any A's fans in here? Okay, watch this near miss. There's not enough of you, but watch this near miss. Crazy, huh? They asked him if it hit him in the post-game interview. He said, actually, it hit my ring finger, which is probably the best place that it could hit. I don't know what that means, but it was his near miss. I remember experiencing a near miss, my biggest near miss. Uh, my wife and I were dating for about three or four months, and uh, I knew she was unlike anyone I'd ever dated. But because of brokenness in my life, I was treating her as common. We got together for a date. We are going to go running, and she was dressed up in her regular clothes, and she said, come come on in. I knew something was wrong. And she said, um, it's over. It's over. I'm like, what? She's like, yeah, it's over. We're done. And I won't bring you into the details, but I went away for the weekend and the whole weekend I thought, I can't go on. I have lost this woman who means more to me than anything. I came home that Sunday and I thought, I'm not going to miss this one. I'm not going to let her get away. And we had a dinner and 30 years later, my wife has made my life half as painful, tripled the joy, five daughters. It's been amazing. And I almost missed it because I'm a knucklehead. Yeah. But there's a greater near miss than that. And I want to take you to it. And some of you, frankly, some of us, all of us in some way are experiencing it. It's the near miss of who Jesus is. You heard Lucas's story. He lived for a long time missing out on that. I want to bring you to a place where there was a near miss with a real character. And you need to know that around here, we believe the resurrection really happened. Our whole faith rests on the resurrection. So if you have a Bible, if it's on your phone, open it. If you don't, I'll put it up on the screen. Here's what I need you to know. John 20 is where we're going. John 20, everybody. Uh, the context of this is this. Uh, the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each talk about uh, his life. And in each biography, 11 different times, Jesus predicted that he was going to die and rise again. Not once, not twice. How many times? 11 times. You'd think after 11 times, people would expect, at least his followers, the resurrection on the third day. But here's the deal. On the third day, nobody expected no body to be in the grave. No one did. So let's look at that story. John 20, okay? No one is out there. It's the third day. His 
closest followers aren't outside the tomb going, 10, 9, 8, 7. It's not happening. But one of his closest followers, disciples, shows up. Her name's Mary. She is the second most mentioned woman in the New Testament behind Jesus' mother, who is also named Mary. Mary, right. And let's pick it up there. John chapter 20, verse 1. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw the stone had been removed from the entrance, okay? It's three days later, she went to properly embalm the body. Now, if you're part of us and you were here last week, we told the story of when Jesus died, two close followers, Nicodemus and Joseph, were there and they took his body down and embalmed his body in 75 pounds, the biography says, of grave clothes and put it in the tomb. Here's Mary showing up on the third day to do it again. Why would she do it again? Because men did it the first time, right? She's there to do it right, okay? What? Okay, wait, that's not in the Bible. Scratch that. So she came running. She sees an empty tomb, right? She came running to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one that Jesus loved. And here's the near miss. She does not say, he's risen, like with the vigor that we said. You don't hear that. Because nobody expected no body. She expected a body to be in the tomb. Look what she says. He's been stolen. They've taken him out of the tomb. I don't know where they put him. I'm going to truncate this. John and Peter run to the tomb. Uh, They run in. They see the grave clothes. They don't think he's risen from the dead. And they go and leave. And we're going to pick it up in verse 11. Mary can't leave the scene of the crime. She loves this man so much. She is sobbing. She is frantic. Listen to me, everybody, because some of you feel this way right this morning. She feels abandoned. Abandoned by God, abandoned by her best friend, abandoned by others. She's all alone there. That's where the story goes. Verse 11, now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she wept, she bent over just to look again to make sure she saw it right to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head, the other at the foot. They asked her, woman, why are you crying? They've taken my Lord away, she said. I don't know where they've put them. Here's the reality. She is searching for Jesus. And unless Jesus reveals himself to her, she's never going to find him. That is a spiritual axiom that transcends millennia. You heard Lucas's story. The reality is Lucas didn't find Jesus. Jesus found Lucas. In spite of all of our crazy ideas, yada, 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 Jesus finds us. Jesus wants to find you. He knows where you are. He wants to find you here today and reveal himself to you. What does that mean, Gary? Let's keep reading. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she didn't realize it was Jesus. Again, why? Because nobody was expecting no body. He asked her, woman, why are you crying? Now, this is a key question, everybody. And if I can go one-to-one and we didn't have another service in like 45 minutes, I would stop time and just with each one of you, with all the humility I have, take all the shame and all, uh, all the you feeling bad about this question. You are free to answer this question. I would ask you this question. It's the question that uh, I want to encourage you to answer to Jesus, not to me. Who is it you're looking for? 
Who is it you're looking for? My premise this morning is this. Mary was looking for the wrong Jesus. And she never would have found the Jesus she was looking for unless Jesus broke through and revealed himself as he really is. I have a sneaky suspicion that many of us are looking for the wrong Jesus too. And in my 35 years of doing ministry, and ministry is just coming alongside people, what I have found is when the Jesus we're looking for is different from the Jesus who really is, we tend to bail because we want to fashion God in our own image. We don't want to follow a God who's fashioned us in his own image. So can I come uh, humbly prod a little bit? Maybe you're looking for the wrong Jesus. Are you looking for a Jesus that can be figured out? That has to let you in on all his plans? That's not life. We don't want to serve a Jesus that got our GPA in college that we can figure out with our our three-pound brain. Are you looking for a Jesus who answers all your prayers? Who's the yes Jesus to everything you ask for? whether it's healthy or not, destructive or not, Jesus is far more mysterious than that. We don't even respect parents that give their kids everything they ask for. Why would we put that on Jesus? Are you looking for a Jesus that lets you determine your moral code? I'll follow you, but I'm setting the boundaries, not you, Jesus. Let me do my life my way. I'm sorry that Jesus doesn't exist. Jesus comes to you in all of his glory and all of his life and says to you today, high schooler, middle schooler, 50-year-old, 60-year-old, 80-year-old, who are you looking for? Who is it that you're worshiping? He presents himself as the one who conquered death and is alive today. Mary would have never found Jesus because she was looking for a dead body unless he initiated And that's what he does. We're going to see this in a minute. He opens her eyes. Jesus is not the type of God who just says, I'm going to sit back here, play a little hide and seek with you, mess with you a little bit. No, 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 no. He is there to reveal himself for the serious spiritual or even curious spiritual seeker. I want to invite you at the end of this gathering, if you find yourself spiritually prone, maybe you've given up on Jesus, I want to invite you to go back and get a book that we have called uh, Moving Forward. It's a 30-day journey through this biography of Jesus. And I want to encourage you, 30 days, to ask Jesus every day, reveal yourself to me. I want to see you as you really are, not you as I think you are. And that book will take you through this very biography, and you see how Jesus reveals himself in 30 days. Well, look what happens in verse 16. Jesus said to her, I love this. Mary, she turned toward him and cried out in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. Jesus is breaking all the rules. You can see it play out in this account. Peter and John and Mary are there. Jesus is alive. He's in the garden outside the tomb. He's watching it all play out. He waits till Peter and John leave. He's waiting until it's just Mary because he wants to deliberately reveal himself first to her. He's going to bank the whole testimony of his resurrection on a woman. 
And I'm just telling you, in the first century Rome, this broke all the rules. NPR did a whole thing on the Roman Empire, and I pulled a quote from it. It said, ancient Rome was a man's world. In politics, society, the family, men held both the power and the purse strings. This would erode any credibility if you were making up the story of the resurrection. Why would Jesus have a woman be the first eyewitness? Everyone? Because she was the first eyewitness. Don't you see what Jesus is saying here? He chooses a woman, not a man. He chooses a woman who formerly, I don't have time to go into her backstory, but was on the margins of society, complete outcast, demonically oppressed, not a pillar in the community. He chooses her to be the first eyewitness. How much more clear could the resurrected Jesus be when he says, I don't care about your gender. I don't care about your class. I don't care about your social standing. I don't care about your morality and your past morality. I don't care about all the shame that you bring here that you think disqualifies you from me. I am alive and I am for everyone. My grace is way bigger than what everyone else labels you as. And that's what Jesus wants to do for us. I just want to give you quickly two things that he does for Mary that he could do for you. Here's the first. He defines her. He defines her. He calls her by name. Everyone else had definitions for her, but Jesus says, what? Mary. Mary is a derivative of the Hebrew Miriam, which means, you ready? Beloved. He's saying, I love you so much. I went through all this for you. Who names you? My daughter, two years ago, was with a huge relief agency and flew over to Mosul, Iraq, where uh, with a 747 packed as a hospital. And they landed and put a hospital on the east side of the city as people were fleeing uh, from ISIS. There was a hospital there to care for the severely injured, including an ISIS ward where ISIS people were cared for. Uh, in the hospital, because it was a Christian relief agency, they had a chaplain whose sole job was to go through the hospital and pray over the patients. In her blog, this chaplain says that uh, she came to a patient, a woman, they don't know what happened to her. She may have stepped on an IED or was shot, but she was severely bandaged. Her eye was puffed up. She had stitches all over. And as this chaplain was coming by, she grabbed her hand. and She put it on her face on the bandages. She said, I've got a question for you, murmuring through the bandages. And this is the question. She says, am I still beautiful? A chaplain in her blog said, I took a step, and I realized so much rests on this answer. And then I realized and said to her what God says to me, this chaplain says, and what he says to you. I said to her, your scars don't define you. These bandages don't define you. You are beautiful because a God loved you and couldn't stand being in heaven without you. And so he came to earth to become scarred so you could have life. I think it's the question, if we were honest, we each would ask. It's the question that drives us. But we turn to false mirrors to answer that question. The question, am I beautiful? Am I significant? Am I somebody Jesus wants to weigh in on that answer and say to you and me, definitively, yes. You're so beautiful, 
I went to a cross to die and rise again for you. The first thing Jesus did was define Mary, and that's what he wants to do for you. The second thing he did, though, was define her life purpose. Mark Twain was right. The two greatest days of our lives are the day we were born and the day we find out why. Do you know why you're taking up space on the planet? Space in a seat? Do you know why you have breath? By the way, it's a great time to tell you next week, we're starting a brand new series on this very thing called Made for Mondays. We want you to know that you matter more than just Sunday for an hour, but whatever you do, whether you're a student or you work in tech or we have public officers, policemen, firemen here, you matter to God, and we want to help infuse what you do with God's purpose in the greatest, most abandoned mission field in America, the workforce. Don't miss it. It's going to be great. Why are you here? Jesus, look what he says in verse 17. I love this. This is, this is so intimate. Jesus says, don't hold on to me. Literally, in the original language, uh, it says, stop squeezing me so tightly. It's like he can't breathe. And wouldn't you do the same to Jesus? She lost him once. She wasn't going to lose him again. I love that imagery. For I've not yet ascended to the Father. In other words, I'm not leaving for good. I'm staying on the planet a little longer, Mary. Look, and here it is. Here's a purpose. Go. That's what I love about this church. We find purpose. And I'm not just talking this. I'm talking the people. The church is not the building, the campus. It's you. Ordinary people who realize my business card or my LinkedIn profile doesn't define me, that word defines me. I am a sent one. I am an ambassador of Jesus showing up in unexpected places. Go, he says, instead to the cowards who denied me. Is that what it says? No. Look at this. This is the whole reason Jesus died, to create a new family. Go to my brother's. And tell them, I'm ascending to my father. No one debated whether God was Jesus' father. But here's what the resurrection did. This is for you. It's for me. Look at these next words. And to what? Your father. I've opened heaven so that you can become part of the family. The rest of Mary's life would be spent testifying to the resurrection wherever she went. She had a whole new purpose in life. A near miss. And Jesus shows up and everything's changed. Friends, honestly, before we pray, I want to tell you, I do not want you to miss Jesus. If you came and just had, oh, it was a great, great campus, great music, uh, great story. But if you miss Jesus, you've missed it all. He wants to define you like no one on earth could. He wants to define your purpose and call your name when it matters most. At death's door, when death comes grabbing for you, he wants to say, you're mine, and grab you to himself. That's when you're going to want to hear your name from Jesus more than ever. And you can be part of the family of God today by placing your faith in Jesus. So as we close, I have two apps for you. Not apps on your iPhone or your smartphone, but I want two applications. Here's the first. Hang out with us. If you've leaned in and something's been triggered in you and you're thinking, wow, could it be? Join us. You do not have to believe in order to belong. 
Come to our Made for Monday series. See what Christian community is like. Let the stereotypes that are floating in the culture be broken by the real beautiful people that are PCC. Or you can settle it today and say, Jesus, if this is true, you've revealed yourself, I want a relationship with you. And that's how we're going to close, by giving you that opportunity. Let's pray together. Father, thank you so much for this historical account. We identify with Mary as a spiritual seeker. And Lord, we are counting on you to reveal yourself to us. Based on your revelation, we say to you, maybe this is your prayer this morning. It was Lucas's prayer at one point. It was our prayer who's been on this platform at one point. It's just one word, yes. Yes, I believe you died for me. Yes, I believe I can be forgiven by you. Yes, I'm turning from myself to you to find new life. Jesus, define me. Give me your purpose. And let's do life together from here into eternity. Father, I thank you for the celebration of resurrection. I thank you for the opportunity to say yes to you. Be glorified in our lives, we pray. In the resurrected name of Jesus, everyone said, amen. Thank you for tuning in to our message podcast here at Peninsula Covenant Church. We would love the opportunity to connect with you more. We are located in Redwood City, California, and you can find us online at wearepcc.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter by simply searching for We Are PCC.